You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello, and welcome to Root Lock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be diving into the concept of gender, and specifically, how we can conceptualize gender in two arenas of the tarot, the four elements of the suits and the court cards. We will explore how the concepts of human and spiritual realms can help us to differentiate between the two masculine and two feminine elements and how to conceptualize the gender energy of the four archetypal figures of the court. This will help us to break out of the concept of a gender binary in the tarot, and to see how masculine and feminine energy blend into a whole variety of combinations in the court cards, but also how the very nature of the archetypal figures of the court present limitations to a full spectrum of gender identities and expressions. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rulock Radio. Now, I've talked a lot about the four elements of fire, water, earth, and air, and the energy of each of these elements, and how that energy informs each of the four suits of the minor arcana. So fire is that passionate and creative energy in the wand suit. Water is the emotional and meditative energy of the cup suit. Earth is the stable and physical energy of the pentacle suit. And air is the cognitive and intellectual energy of the sword suit. It is also often remarked that there are two gender categories when it comes to the four elements, masculine and feminine. Fire and air are seen as masculine elements, and water and earth as feminine. However, the issue I have with this is that it really enforces the idea of a gender binary, that we only have masculine and feminine, and that there's really no difference between the masculine energy in fire and the masculine energy in air. And the same goes for water and earth with feminine. And I think this is a mistake for a couple of reasons. One reason is that it doesn't really reflect the more progressive and updated view of gender as existing more on a spectrum that we have today. But it also puts a lot of restrictions on our tarot readings. So even if you don't concern yourself too much with the idea of a gender spectrum, which I hope you do, introducing a gender binary into our readings really restricts us, just in the way that any binary would. Any way of black and white thinking, we can kind of even skip ourselves back to the idea of cognitive distortions and CBT. Any binary restricts us from opening our minds into thinking in ways that are more nuanced. But with only four elements, there's only so far we can go to represent a true spectrum of gender in the tarot. So in some ways, we're kind of restricted by the fact that we only have those four elements, 
And we're also restricted by the fact that we're working with a set of cards, right? They're kind of concrete and discrete. So we're not necessarily able to create this full-on spectrum through the four elements. However, if we work a little bit and open our minds, it doesn't need to be so limited. For instance, when we start to consider the dimensions of gender in the four elements, we can also consider how they intersect with the gender of, say, an archetypal figure in the court cards. And when we see it this way, we actually have 16 different gender intersections and across those 16 human figures in the court. So voila, we're getting a little bit closer to a spectrum of gender identity when we think of the court cards this way. But let's back up a little bit because I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I'll get into those intersections of the gender identity of a court card with the gender energy of an element later in this episode. But for now, let's go back and look at those four basic elements and unpack how the gender energy varies across them. So overall, I see the four elements and their corresponding suits in the following order from most feminine to most masculine. So water and cups is the most feminine, then earth and pentacles, then fire and wands, and air and swords is the most masculine. But how did I determine this? It may be helpful to go back and look at the four major arcana cards that correspond closely and correlate with the four elements. So that would be the magician, which corresponds with fire, the high priestess with water, the empress with earth, and the emperor with air. So I'm actually going to start with the empress and the emperor, because I think looking at them will help us to understand the difference between what's going on with them and what's going on with the magician and the high priestess. So the empress and the emperor are our archetypal parental figures in the tarot deck. So in a lot of ways, they represent the archetypal idea of a mother and the archetypal idea of a father. So they exist in the human realm, right? Mother and father are very human archetypes. They're people. And to me, the human realm leans towards the masculine. Now, bear with me, as I know many of us may not like the sound of this, but really, human society tends to be dominated by air energy. Society is all about logic and order and rules, and these are all things that we can associate with air and the suit of swords and the emperor, and consequently kind of a more patriarchal arrangement of things. Now, of course, this varies in many ways across cultures, and I am not an expert of any culture other than my own, and even that's arguable. However, I do believe that in our current world, and mostly due to colonization and all that messed up history that we have, that these values of rulership and government are now pretty widespread. And in many ways, even places that don't necessarily practice these particular ways of governing people that focus on order and rules and logic are still subjected to them through globalized commerce. And so all of these forces are oppressive to many people and they work to stratify society into social classes, all of which 
are more masculine concepts than pri that prioritize order and control over more emotional and spiritual concerns. So when we're working with any sort of institutional force that stratifies people and oppresses people and separates people, this is a very masculine and kind of air energy way of rulership. And this is something that we could really get into, and maybe I will more in the future, uh, but it does lean a little political, and so I'm just going to hold back for now, um, because that's not what I'm trying to do here. Instead, I just hope that you can understand my argument for why I equate the human realm with a gender energy that is more masculine than feminine. And that's not to say that I like it, but that's just kind of what I see in the world around me. So that's the energy of the Empress and the Emperor, which corresponds with Earth and Air, and subsequently the human realm. The Magician and the High Priestess, however, are also masculine and feminine archetypes, right? The difference, though, is that these two exist in what I call the spiritual realm. So the Magician is this archetype of harnessing the raw energy of the universe and channeling it into our world. He is a spiritual conduit of energy. And the High Priestess rules over meditation and inward exploration, and is also very, very spiritual. And they're sexual, too, these two. In The Fool's Journey, you'll remember the Magician captures that magical moment when the sperm meets the egg, and the High Priestess represents the time in the womb. So they do correspond to sex and reproduction as well which is, in my mind, actually a pretty spiritual aspect of our lives. So overall, this more intangible realm in which the magician and high priestess operate is leaning feminine. It is more about flow and reflection and the things that we can't really explain with words. Remember, words are a very air energy thing. This is the spiritual realm. It's less tangible. It's kind of more elusive. We can't really explain it, but we're all there, too. And this more feminine energy coexists with the more masculine energy of the human realm, and it guides us in a different way. So while the rulers of our world, whether they're well-intended or really tyrannical, are still prioritizing order and control over emotion and spirit, the emotional and spiritual energy itself cannot really be subjected to that order and control. It's existing kind of in a parallel but separate realm, and that realm is by nature more feminine. So that's the water and fire elements. They're in that spiritual realm. So even though one is more masculine and one is more feminine, they exist within a realm that is by nature feminine. So what this means is that the four elements are as follows. Fire is spiritual masculine. Water is spiritual feminine, earth is human feminine, and air is human masculine. And since spiritual is by nature feminine and human is by nature masculine, then we can also understand how fire energy is a little less masculine than air energy because fire energy is also spiritual, and earth energy is less feminine than water energy because earth energy is also human. Again, from most feminine to most masculine, we have water, earth, fire, air.
If you'd like to support Rootlock Radio, consider making a pledge to my Patreon page. A monthly donation of $5 or more will get you access to supplementary materials to future episodes, as well as a private online discussion forum. You can join that by going to patreon.com rootlockradio, or by following the link on my website. If you're new to the podcast or new to tarot, you may want to go back and listen to season one, which is episodes one through 16. Those episodes provide a structured and comprehensive course in tarot, I've also just released a 48-page PDF companion guidebook to Season 1 that you can purchase for $20 and download on my website, rootlocktarot.com. Earlier in the episode, I suggested that the court cards are the best place for us to look for the closest we can get to a full spectrum of gender identities in the tarot. This is because each court card is an intersection of the energy of the element of its suit with the gender energy of the figure in the court. So let's go through these four figures and consider their gender identities. First, I do want to say that one of the limitations of teaching with Pamela Coleman Smith's Rider Waite images is that they do lack inclusivity. One of the reasons I love my out-of-print Hoi Polloi deck is that the skin color of the figures in the cards varies, thus bringing more inclusivity into a deck that very closely imitates Smith's original drawings. But we don't see clear and obvious representations of people on the gender spectrum in the Rider Waite deck. The figures of the court are largely archetypes that are binary in their gender identities. However, when we dive below the images and into the system of gender energy operating beneath the images on the court cards, we can identify a rather wide array of gender identities. So I urge you to see beyond the images on the cards and to create flexibility in the gender of these court card figures that you may not be able to see in the images on the cards themselves. And you may notice I will not use masculine and feminine pronouns when discussing these figures, and that's a starting point for this. And I'll also post a link in the show notes to an article on littleredtarot.com, which is a great resource for queer tarot concepts, by the way. Um, And this article covers some decks that replace the court figures with alternative archetypes. Starting with the page. So the page as an archetype, I see as being gender neutral. Pages are youthful and have not yet settled into their identities. They are still exploring themselves and their task is to develop. So the page is starting at this very gender neutral place. However, when that neutral energy intersects with the gender energy of the suit and the element, which I covered at the first half of this episode, then each particular page kind of leans in that direction. So while the page as an archetype is neutral, there is some variation of gender energy, masculine to feminine on that spectrum, across the four pages. And this is true of all four of the court figures. So the knight, I see the gender energy of the knight as being roughly equivalent to the gender energy of fire. It leans masculine, but is somewhere between neutral and very masculine on the spectrum. 
And this is because knights are masculine in the sense that they're fighters and rescuers. But as an archetype, they're also pretty hopelessly romantic and sexual. And so they also bring into the fold some of that spiritual and feminine energy. So again, when this masculine-leaning energy of a knight intersects with the particular gender energy of one of the suits, then it is influenced and leans a little bit that way as well. When it comes to the kings, the gender energy is equivalent to the gender energy of air. It is on the far end of masculine. And this makes sense, right? Because kings are focused on rules and orders and all of the trappings of the human realm. So of course the gender energy of an element influences this, and so every king except the King of Swords has at least some trace of feminine energy mixed in. For instance, the King of Cups is the king with the least masculine or most feminine energy, but the King of Cups is also the Cups court card with the most masculine energy. So I hope that kind of helps you to see how there's some spectrum offer operating here. And I saved the queens for last because I think they're really interesting. So I see the queen archetype as corresponding to both the high priestess and to the empress. So in this particular way, queens are able to embody both the feminine spiritual energy and the feminine human energy at the same time. Considering this, they are definitely mostly feminine energy but because there is some trace of that human realm influence, they are not as far on the feminine end of the spectrum as the king archetype is on the masculine end of the spectrum. And to me, this makes sense because the court cards are human archetypes who hold positions in the very air energy place of the royal court. And again, air energy is most masculine. So even the queens, who are the most feminine of the court cards, do have some masculine energy in them, just because they're part of the court, which is a very air energy or masculine realm. Now, I know this might be a lot to take in through your ears, but hopefully you've gotten the gist and can begin to work with these concepts of gender when working with the four elemental energies of the suits and with the court cards. Members of the Patreon group will be receiving a handout with some charts that will offer a visual accompaniment to this, and if you join the Patreon group in the future, you are welcome to ask me to send that chart along as well. Now, that said, I think it might also be helpful for me to summarize in more simple terms everything I've said here. So let me try to give you kind of a key takeaway. So in addition to masculine and feminine energy categories, there are also the human and spiritual energy categories, and these energies also capture some gender energy within them. So each of the four elements is either masculine or feminine, and at the same time, either spiritual or human, and the spiritual and human realms also have some gender energy incorporated into them. So the human energy contains masculine energy, and the spiritual energy contains feminine energy. Therefore, the four elements represent four places on the gender spectrum determined by whether the element is masculine, so fire and air, or feminine, water and earth, 
but also whether the element is human, earth and air, or spiritual, water and fire. Similarly, the archetypal figures in the court that we see in the court cards also have gender energies, and they lie somewhere on the spectrum of gender. So pages are neutral, knights lean towards the masculine, kings are on the far end of masculine, and queens lean towards the feminine. So when an archetypal court figure intersects with an elemental energy, as they do in the four suits, the resulting gender energy is basically the average of the two. And if this still seems confusing, don't worry. And to know that I will be continuing to work with this in the future, um, I'm definitely going to be presenting an episode on specifically the page cards. And I think that that episode will maybe help to connect some of the dots of what I'm saying here. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Rootlock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jeray. To support Rootlock Radio, please join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash rootlockradio. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio.